If you don't know, my name is James, as I've been introduced as. Uh, I've been part of God's Central family for many years. Um, and I just want to emphasize how much of a privilege it is to come before all of you guys and dive into God's word because uh, there's lots of things that can get in the way of that. And, uh, you know, it, it can be quite tricky sometimes to figure out different bits of what God tries, wants to say, and there's a weight with that, and uh, hopefully I'm going to try my best and just see how we do. So um, this is uh, the, I think this is the last one in the Grey Issues series that we're doing. So uh, for those that don't know, the Grey Issues are things that uh, are unclear in the Bible, but come up in everyday situations in life. Uh, so there's certain things that are very crystal clear about who Jesus is and there's certain things that are a bit more unclear, you know, uh, some people say tattoos, wearing hats in church, that sort of thing. Um, I was going to wear my hat today, but then I thought I better not because Phil told me not to. Um, <laughs> so, uh, first of all, I want to apologise if, if that does offend anyone. Um, but that's just my walk with God, trying to figure things out, and we don't always get things right. So I'm going to keep praying into these sorts of things. So uh, this is where the grace part comes in. Okay, so that's wonderful. Um, <laughs> oh, that's true. You could be just my face could offend you. Who knows? Um, <clears throat> anyway, as you can tell, we're a family here. <laughs> uh, right, let, let's get that cracked into God's word, shall we? Uh, so we're going to be first looking at uh, James 4, verse 13 to 14 and 15 to 16. Um, so it says, uh, it's titled, Boasting About Tomorrow. Now listen, when, when, <clears throat> now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this city or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why do you not even know, oh sorry, why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. God, we just, I just lift up this time and I thank you for your word and I know it's alive and it lives in us and it's there to bless. And God, may this be a blessing to us now that the words that come out of my mouth will just be your words and not mine, that anything spoken just from James, that, that will just turn to dust and be blown away by the wind. But the things of you, may they sit and take root and change us to be more like your son. Amen. So it's quite a sober one to start with, isn't it? Uh, that Bible verse, you know, just about how we can, we all like making plans. We all like to know what's happening tomorrow. Some people have a five-year plan. That's never really been me, to be honest. I've flown by the seat of my pants quite a few times in my life. Um, but, you know, it, it kind of struck me that our, our main aim as a Christian is to become more like Christ, right? Everyone agree with that? We can all agree on that? That's not a grey issue. That's a pretty standard thing. Okay. But <clears throat> becoming like Christ, actually, you need a bit of humility in that. You know, Jesus came. 
He's the, the son of God, the highest of the high. And yet he came down becoming like man, but still God and became a servant. I can't think of a more humble situation. And we're called to be like that. So, and, and in, when you first become a Christian, you kind of think, oh, I've got to change so much. I've got to change this. I've got to change that. But actually, it's only, that, that happens because when we look at Christ or look at God, we're, we see something perfect. And then we judge ourselves against that. We see our imperfections. Because we serve a perfect God, it shows us where we're lacking. And some of these things happen and we kind of make excuses for ourselves, which is right because we're not perfect, right? And we can't be perfect because we're not God. And that's fine. But what we sometimes do is make excuses for ourselves. Is anyone, you know, we get tempted to make an excuse that's let go and let God. Has everyone ever heard that expression before? You know, I'm just going to let go and let God. <clears throat> but that's not becoming like Christ. It's actually a twisted truth. So what I want to do is just address that now. And in Ephesians 6, 13, it, this is where it actually comes from. It says, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand. So you can see there that actually where it came from, but it's been twisted. Because we're supposed to do everything in our power to stand our ground. And then even after that, still stand. So there's still effort. It's not just giving up. It's actually standing in who God's saying is when you've gone past yourself. Can you see the difference? The difference is a heart issue, you see. So great issues. To quite a good friend of mine, it's not a salvation issue. Yeah, there he is at the back. <laughs> um, see, now, we, we endeavor to be um, a people of peace, to be a blessing to people around us. Yeah, that's what Jesus taught us to do. So when we talk about gray issues or gray issues arise, there has to be an element of wanting to be a peacemaker in that process. There has to be an element of being a blessing. And we do this through a few ways. So a few of these ways that we can do this is actually through just showing respect to the person that we may be coming up against. I've had a few times where this has happened, even in this church, especially in the church, is that you come up against things where one person has a different opinion to you. And that's absolutely fine. I'm not going to say that's wrong, but how we deal with that can be done in a wrong way. That's where I want to get that bit. We need to show grace. We need to show respect. And we're not supposed to force our opinion on someone. And it's okay to have different opinions, but we should be happy to hear people out. One of the things I used to struggle with in school is the fact that the teachers would tell me I can't do something. I totally could. I just had to deal with the consequence afterwards. See, I was very blunt, very matter of fact. But actually, we need to give people the option and that, uh, the grace and the uh, opportunity to journey with us through these things. So I work with teenagers, and you'd be surprised how much stuff they get wrong. 
<laughs> yeah, or not surprised. It's a lot. They think they know it all. I knew, I knew, I thought I knew it all at that age. But actually, they haven't got the experience to back up what they believe. Or they haven't even thought about it. They're just regurgitating something that someone else has said. A lot of social media now is very, very dangerous because people are ingesting this stuff and actually not thinking about it for themselves. I used to do it. And we got, to, we got to give them the opportunity to learn through these things, but give them the grace in order to be able to hear them out, even if it's a load of bull and totally wrong. We've got to think, I'm going to show you respect here. I'm going to hear you out and gently encourage you and teach you in a way that you don't feel belittled, but you feel encouraged. And that can be harder done than said. Uh, Joshua 1.8 says, Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Meditate is quite an interesting word. It can be seen in many different contexts. Uh, many different religions structures have meditation. But believe it or not, we had it first, which is awesome. Um, so, in Hebrew, uh, to meditate, would they have use a word called hagar? Now, hagar in Hebrew means um, meditate, is to mutter or to mutter on a low sound. Now, there's a great video um, by the Bible Project that goes into this. Is a guy who studied Hebrew, a very very big brain guy. Um, I have no. My brain doesn't work with languages very well. I can hardly speak English, so um, and get that right. But it's it's amazing how as you go when you speak it to yourself with scripture and we meditate. Because sometimes you think meditating is just silent, but actually no, meditating is chewing stuff over. It's it's thinking about it. It's it's, it's inner workings and thinking about what does this actually mean. And does it, is it backed up with this and with that? Where other meditation in other religious sectors is to empty your mind, Christianity is about filling your mind with the word of God and letting God teach you through it. And when, we, when we're speaking it to ourselves, we're also called to speak it to each other. And then God can bring revelation through both of those situations. So when we speak it to ourselves, suddenly something can just click and you'll be like, that makes perfect sense now. And God just brings a little nugget of truth into your life and it can change everything. Or you can talk like at cell group or life group or whatever group you want to call it, but meeting up with other Christians and talking about these issues or bits of scripture, we can actually think, we can get to the point where we're like, ah, oh, you just opened my eyes to something. I missed something there. Or someone's different viewpoint changes that. And this is something that we need to do is actually with these gray issues is talk about them. I mean, some, some, I always, over the last few years, I've heard so many people say there's certain things that people don't, you don't hear from the front at church. It's about money, sex, all these sorts of things. But it should be talked about. God created it. We should talk about it. It's important. Even Jesus had this issue with money. Give to Caesar what is Caesar's. We shouldn't shy away from these issues. We should actually come together and talk, but have the grace if we don't agree. Because at the end of the day, your salvation is not hinged 
on money or sex or anything, but I think where we get a bit gray in, the, in this gray area in itself is actually, it's not a salvation issue, it's a health issue. Now, some of you may go to the gym, some of you may not. Both situations are absolutely fine. The difference is how healthy spiritually do you want to be? And where do you put your value in that? Because there's different forms of health in the body. You could be an endurance runner, you could be going cycling, you could do, or you can be a sprinter where you use different methods to get healthy. You could be a weightlifter. You could just eat correctly, sleep well, drink water. There's lots of different ways to get to the same goal. But one thing is the same is that health is important, right? So how healthy you want to be with God is your walk with God. And yes, people can say, oh, you know, so give you a bit of a heads up, say, oh, you know, if you're getting headaches more, drink more water, have a bit more sleep. The same with spiritual stuff. Pray more, maybe try fasting, that sort of thing. Or maybe stay clear from this for a bit. You know, there's certain things. And we've all been brought up in different ways. There's, there's different different things that we've all had experiences in, and we need to respect that as well. So when we're dealing with these situations and we come together and we, we have these conversations, and how different is it knowing that you're respected, that you're loved, to enable you to share those things? You know, with my job, I go and create, part of my job is creating a, a relationship really quickly with young people. And part of that is what we like to call earning the right to be heard. Now, how I earn the right to be heard is that I listen. I ask a question and I listen and I show interest. It's that easy, especially with teenagers, because they they've got a lot on their mind and they need someone to show that they care. Sometimes it will, depending on the person, I will, I will say that, you know, some, well, for one person, I could just sit and listen for the whole day and they'll feel loved and cared for. Other people, I'll go get them a drink or I'll bring them a chocolate bar or a packet of crisps or something. Some of it's just playing a game with them. I play so much Uno, it's unreal. But to some kids, that's what they need. They need someone to engage with them, to want to invest time. Different love languages, right? And this is something that we need to do. It, as long as it includes respect, grace, and love, you're on a win. And it's the same with us when we talk to each other or talk to our children or even to our enemies. Respect, love, and grace. These are the key things that we need to do. Now, sometimes I know for, as a young man, uh, I would fall into this a heck of a lot, would be ego and power and position. They can easily creep in, especially if we think we, what we're saying is right and we want to be heard and we want to have these things that rise up in us. They're like, no, you're wrong. And, you know, pointing them out and just showing them that they're wrong. And, you know, for the Lord, and I was very blunt growing up and I had to really, really work on it. It was very hard. And I'm still working on it. You know, I'm still quite blunt. At times, um, you know, I've got a bit more grace in me now, thank God. <laughs> I've got a few more friends, amazingly, now as well. <laughs> um, but part of that is dying to self. 
yeah? Um, a massive part of life. But what does that actually mean? Now, before this next slide comes up, I just want to say that everyone here is valued and everyone here is loved. But then I'm also going to say this. Life is not about you. Now, this is a double-edged sword because it doesn't mean that you are less important. But it doesn't mean that the earth revolves around you. Okay, so we've got to get this really into our minds, set, clear, and nice. Is that actually, when we are, the, the way to do this properly, in, in my experience, is that you put your eyes on God. Not the situation, then God. Because all you're going to do is see the situation and then talk to God about it from an earthly point of view. Really, what we should do is go to God and then look down from his angle. You see the difference? Is that actually you're, you're seeking first the kingdom more when you focus on who God is, what he's seeing. Because our eyes are flawed because we see it from a very earthly perspective. I mean, try and explain the Trinity to someone. <sighs> Hard, right? There's no perfect analogy. God is his own thing. And yet, if we see things from God's perspective, a lot more becomes clear. The unseen becomes seen. We're able to be more of a blessing. We're able to see things and speak and have this godly knowledge that we're supposed to have. So as you see the different route, same result, but different viewpoint changes everything. And we've got to get out of that habit of looking at it and thinking, oh, this is what I think. What do you think, God? It's not about you. It doesn't matter what you think. It matters about what he thinks because we're flawed. If you have a dodgy clock, you're not going to trust it. Are you? But if you, if you have a clock that you trust and will tell you the time without, on the dot, you're going to go straight to that one. You're not even going to bother with the other one, correct? It's exactly the same with God. Exactly the same. And that wasn't even my note, so thank you, God. <laughs> so if we focus on God first, what's the first two commandments? First two commandments and the greatest commandments. Love the God, Lord God with all that you are, paraphrased, and love your neighbor as yourself. So if you love God with everything, we sang about it today, everything that you are and everything that you have, and I'm still working on it, I'm not perfect, I don't see me up here, you know, as the preacher, but God it sussed. But if we focus ourselves on God and love everything he loves, you will love yourself because he loves you. You're not important in the sense of putting yourself before God, but you are important in the chain. You're still important because you're important to him. See the different tact that we go on? I found it so hard to love myself because I judge myself hard and I have made so many mistakes and I still do. But despite that, God loves me. So if I looked to him and see how he sees me, okay, fine, I can do that. It's hard. It's always hard to look inwards, right? But it changes things because we go the right direction into these things. So it's the same with great issues as is that we need to look at things from God's perspective. 
So you will naturally love the things that God loves if you love him first because you want to become like him. When I got married to Holly, she made me a heck of a lot more chilled out. She gave, you know, just because I was around someone that was good for me. Holly's my wife, by the way, <laughs> which, which is a good thing. Um, please pray for her. <laughs> okay. um, but then if we, so if we, we align ourselves with God's heart, we would naturally be more in his will. We're about to do things the way Jesus would because we are in line with God. Our hearts are, are similar. Our viewpoint is similar. I mean, what did Jesus do every morning? He'd wake up, he'd climb halfway, or if not the full way up a mountain to spend time with God. Why do you think he did that? It's not the elevation. It's not the elevation. What it is, is him coming away from the world. Getting away from distraction. Not only that, it's like going to the gym. If you go to the gym, you're more likely to exercise. If you go to a place of prayer, guess what's going to happen? You're going to go and pray. You've invested in it. You've put some effort in. Like some of the groups that I put on with for work, I'm very tempted to charge kids a quid to come. Because if it's free, they'll be like, oh, I can't be bothered. But if they invest into it a little bit, even if it's just a quid, they're like, no, I've got to go. There's more intent to go. More intention. Another thing that happens when we have our eyes on God and solely on God, we're less tempted. Doesn't mean that temptation doesn't come, but we're less tempted. Have you ever seen people walk into lampposts because they're looking at their phone? They can't see what's around them because they're so focused on one thing. There you go. Got one in the, in the house, you see. We've all done it. Come on. <laughs> Something similar. But we're less tempted because these things are trying to, in life, trying to get our attention all the time so to distract us from God. But if our eyes are solely on God and just caught up in who he is and who, his glory is shining out on us, things from the, from the side don't matter. They're not going to get our attention because we're just so caught up in who God is. We get less distractions and less temptation. They're going to have, the devil's going to have to work a lot harder to get our attention if we keep focusing on God. He's going to have to try and get in between there sometimes, and we can easily move our heads out of the way. It's like when I'm trying to watch the TV and one of the kids gets in the way, I'm like, or if, or if the game, kids are playing a game and I walk in front, they're like, get out of the way, Dad, you know, trying to look around me because it's important to them. They're invested into it. It's the same with God. And... One thing that I, one thing I don't want to be is an acquaintance of God. Okay, now this is, this is a big thing. So acquaintance means knowing or experiencing, an experience, having an experience of something. I don't just want to experience God. I don't want to know something about God. Because you can have as much head knowledge about God, you can know the Bible inside and out. It doesn't mean you know God doesn't mean you have a relationship with him that really hits your and leads your life. I've seen so many Christi Christians walking around with head knowledge and just reliant on that. And yet you, when the rubber hits the road, they fall away. Because the foundation isn't there of relationship. It's not real to them. 
Now, I'm not saying head knowledge isn't worth something, because it is. But knowing that your saviour, that very concept of having a saviour is personal. There's no way of having a saviour that you just know about. You have to experience that person. If you're going to give your whole life to something, you've got to have something in return like that. This is, I was actually in a, a mosque in Manchester once. Uh, we were doing a bit of a, I was doing training and um, we visited there. And I, I was very broken at that point and I was quite mischievous. Um, still am, but in a different way. Uh, but I kind of made it a, my mission to try and annoy them. Um, so I asked a very awkward question, as awkward and yet respectful at the same time as I could muster. Uh, I actually asked them, Did you, do you hear from your God? Like, do you, do you actually have a relationship or, or converse back and forth? Their answer was, I wouldn't say I'm learned enough to say that, to answer that. Because God is holy, right? And they would see that, that actually they needed to learn more to be able to hear from God. Thank God that isn't what we believe. Thank God, because I would have no hope. We have a God that is interested in us, that will do anything to be with us, will move things, will change things, will humble himself to come and be with us. Let's not take advantage of that. Let's dig in. Let's make it worth his while. We have this great opportunity. You know, you never miss it until it's gone. This God ain't going nowhere. But let's not act like he, let's pretend that he is and that we're going to need to have that relationship. Let's have some urgency about getting to know God. So don't be an acquaintance. Be a family member. Very, very different relationship. 2 Timothy 3, 15 to 17. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correction, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Notice how it doesn't say so that you can have the high ground. Notice that it doesn't say that you can, to make you feel important. No, it's for equipping for good work. Don't be like the Pharisees. The Pharisees used it to make them blow themselves up, to make them look important and holier than thou. That's not what it's there for, it's to equip people Yes to rebuke, yes to correct, but training in righteousness so that the servant of God may thoroughly be equipped for good work. So as a servant, we should look to serve those around us. Weird, a couple of weeks ago I did a preach about servant-heartedness, so it's quite timely. So the scripture is there to help us to be servants to each other, 
and those not in this room, in our lives, around us, equipping us for good works through encouragement, support, and training when necessary. So this is why we're here. This is why we need to mutter these things, to, to have these little conversations about grey issues, because it encourages us to see things in a different way so that we can be an even bigger blessing to those around us. Doesn't mean that we get to, oh, you're wrong, I'm right, rah, rah, rah. But actually, no, 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 it's like, okay, well, I think this will really bless you, but because actually I think you haven't quite got that right. One of the things I get really annoyed is, with is people in that belong to God who believe lies. The enemies just took got a lie in there, a truth, and twisted it. That's what I, it riles me up something crazy. Maybe it's because of my upbringing with um, my mom and dad being in prayer ministry and, and having to cast out things and, and deal with situations. But actually, it just draw, it the warrior spirit in me kicks in and I'm like I'm not having that how dare the enemy take advantage of people like that God's people like that and that's kind of where it's got to come from it's got to come from how dare he do that to God's people not how dare he do that to them no no God's people full stop how dare he even step up against us we've got to be not scared to fight the enemy We've, what's our fight against? The principalities and the powers. Not people. Principalities and the powers. Now, the principalities and the powers can influence people, but that's not who we're fighting. We're there to serve those people, but fight against the opposition, which is the powers and the principalities. And it's good to know these things because you've got to have a battle mentality, people. It's great to be all loving and, and floaty and all this sort of stuff, but when it gets down to the nitty-gritty and someone needs saving, you've got to get in there and fight for them. Yes, Christians take it on the chin a lot. Yes, we as Christians are supposed to support and be, be peacemakers, but there is also a time for peacemakers to take up arms to fight for peace. So I encourage you guys that actually when the Holy Spirit urges you, be ready to fight. You don't go looking for a fight, but you are ready for when it comes along. Because then, the enemy gets less ground in our lives, messes up less churches, and God gets glorified more through our actions. Again, not in my, my notes, but thank you God. Um, <laughs> so seeking God and becoming like Christ, you're meditating on his word day and night, you will see your life change. Your behaviors, your thought patterns, and everything will come in line with God's, and you will see things you never saw before. And we'll have some insight into these gray areas. At the end of the day, like I said, we've said, it's not a salvation issue, it's a health issue, often. And we've got to have grace and respect in the way that we deal with these things. Often, it would be so much easier if there was a yes or no, very straightforward answer. I'm sorry, that's just not the way the world works all the time. And the Bible doesn't always give us simple answers, yes or no. But there's something in the seeking. There's something in the finding out, the hunting for. 
It says in the Bible that no man can look upon God's face and live. But what are we called to do? Seek his face. Not to find it, but to seek it. That's the difference. It's the heart issue of pushing into something, to hunger for something, even though it could kill us, <laughs> but actually hungering for God's face, to search for him, to hunger after him. It's a weird balance, right? It's not always a destination, but that journey of seeking God's face stretches us, pushes us. We sacrifice the things. It makes us better. It makes us more like Christ. So one of the things, um, I'm going to tell you a little story, and I'll, I'll come into land after this a bit. Um, <clears throat> so everyone knows that being drunk is a sin, right? Yeah? Good. You, you know your Bible well. Good. Um, is drinking a sin? No. Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. Did that encourage drunkenness? No. But did it encourage fellowship? Did it encourage being with one another? Did it encourage good things? Absolutely. And often we can, we as a, a race, a human race, we, we swing on a pendulum to the extremes all the time. And only very rarely we hit in the middle where it's right, in that balance point. Now there are some things that are fully yes and fully no. Do we accept adultery? No. Do we believe Jesus rose again? Yes. Very clearly. Is drinking bad? That's the bit. So drinking is not a sin. Being drunk is a sin. Uh, I once dated a girl who, um, Holly knows about, don't worry. Um, <coughs> I once dated a girl whose uh, dad was a pastor, and I, I met him for the first time. And one of his first questions was, oh, do you drink alcohol? I was like, I grew up next to a pub. I was drinking by 11. <laughs> He's like, oh, well, you know it's a sin, don't you? I was like, mm, not in my Bible, it ain't. And we had this big thing, and he, he literally banned anyone from drinking alcohol at all in his church. And as a young man, I, I got on my high horse, and I got my ego out, and I was very, you know, can I have this guy? Um, and I said, well, I don't think that's right. He said, I don't care what you think. It's a sin, and it leads people into temptation and goes into there. I said, I'm going to have to totally disagree with you there. You see, because drunkenness is, a, is the sin. Now, everyone has different tolerances, okay? If you cannot trust yourself around alcohol, absolutely don't drink it because it's going to trip you up. But if you can sit down with friends or even by yourself, have a drink and then leave it, it's not an issue for you. You can enjoy what God has created. That's fine. But as soon as it becomes, takes over you, that's when the issue comes. Or when you are unable to represent God in the best way possible. And, and that's, the th that's the thing it comes down to, guys, is that you are, if you cannot take every thought captive, you're not supposed to be doing that thing. 
That's why drugs is a total no-no, because that's exactly what they're designed to do. Alcohol isn't designed to do that. It's a byproduct of drinking too much of it. Do you see the difference? But then, at the same time, we need to see that pendulum for ourselves. Not just in a moral sense, but personally. If I cannot be trusted around chocolate, I don't go near chocolate, because it will consume me, and it's not good for me. And I've got to look after what God's given me, my body. It's exactly the same with anything else in your life. TV, music, whatever you put it in there, whatever it is. If it takes over, God's no longer in control of your life. You're giving the keys to that, your car, your spiritual car, to someone else. But like I say, I'm coming into that now. So we need to find a balance. Can you show the next slide? That'd be great. Thank you. So one side we've got legalistic, and the next side, anything goes. I've been in both camps, by the way. At different times in my life, I've been very legalistic and saying, no, this is wrong, this is right, I know you shouldn't be doing that. And then I've also gone, ah, don't matter. It's all right, God will forgive you. Let go and let God. Very rare. I'm trying my best to live in this grey area. And even through doing this and the research and the, the prep work, I've realised that some things have to change. But that's life, right? We've got to renegotiate ne things. We have different information that we get. I was at, uh, away the other week preaching at a um, Angl very Anglican church. There's a lot of sit standing up and sitting down. Um, a lot of repeating things after the, the pastor. Now, as like I say, I used to hate that. I used to call it the smells and bells. You know, you just sit there and be like, oh, okay. Um, but even both me and Holly were sitting there and we thought, actually, this, some of this stuff is good. Very good. Because it puts God in the right place in your heart. You, know, you, you see the sovereignty of God through it. The way that you, you ask God for help in situations that you have a love for things. But the one, both of us agreed that actually the traditions of man, we got no time for. Because it's exactly that, it's to bolster man. But the traditions where we honor God, there's definitely something in that. And we, we're in quite a free church here, obviously. And I'm not saying that we should bring certain things in, but I think it's good to look at it. It's good to respect the things of past generations. They had a reason for it. It's good to look into these things. This is where taking every thought captive comes in. This is where having the Holy Spirit teach you. So I've had, I've had very loose compass with God at times. And I pray for everyone here that your compass is straight and very clear. And I will pray that in a minute. But like I just said, like, I don't have any time for the traditions of man. But if it's about honoring God and blessing his people, I am in. And I, I'm going to pray and ask that for each one of us as well. Just that it'll be very clear what's what that we will get those orders from God, have that time, that we'll have that grace, and that all the things that I've spoken about, 
will come in and just guard, guide our hearts.